brothers and sisters in God's family. So as I mentioned, today we are celebrating Epiphany. And Epiphany means to reveal or show something that, that you haven't known before. That the actual Epiphany event, that when the wise men, those magi came to visit the boy Jesus, it, that reveals a lot of things. And we're just going to look at, at a few today. The first is this. It reveals how much of Christmas is wrong. And by Christmas, it's in the quotes, okay? So I, I don't know where, where this all started or when or, or why, but a lot of the, the popular ideas of the Christmas story, especially about the Magi, is just wrong. That song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, there's nothing right about it. They weren't kings. They weren't from the Orient, and we have no idea if there are three or five or nine or, or whatever. Uh, it, and, and, and then every uh, nativity scene where, where you have the, the wise men kneeling right next to the, the shepherds, that, that, that's, that's not accurate either. You know that? I, I read it earlier, but let's look at one of those verses from Matthew chapter 2. On coming to the house... They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Notice where they found him. They, he wasn't in the manger. He was in a house. Sometime after Jesus was born, obviously they, they were able to, to get into a house. So the, the Magi came, I don't know, days, weeks, maybe, maybe enough that, that Jesus was even um, about to, to walk or was walking around. So, so a lot of these ideas about Christmas, that, that the actual Magi story in Matthew 2 shows us we don't have right. But who exactly were these Magi? Like I said before, they, they weren't kings, but Magi were advisors to the kings, not kings themselves, but but educated, very smart individuals who advised the king. And they studied all sorts of things, including the sciences and astronomy. These magi were from Babylon. So let's take a look at a map. So, so the Babylonian Empire, when it was a big empire, was pretty big. But at this point, when they're talking about Babylon, it's, it's probably where all those little uh, rivers are off on the right. And so for these magi to get to Jerusalem, they, they had to go on up and, and, and down. It was a, a 700-mile trip to get to Jerusalem from Babylon. And um, so, so when they got to Jerusalem, they, they got there because that's the capital. That's where the king should be. And they found out he wasn't there, but this king was, born, was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So let's go to another map a little closer up. And here... You see Jerusalem there on the bottom. Bethlehem's just to the south of it. Nazareth in the north, that's where Mary and Joseph came from, and they had to go to Bethlehem for that census. And you see the route there? Probably they went down by the Jordan River where it's low and there's the river valley. They're not traveling up and down the mountains, but they took the easier route and got to ultimately Bethlehem. Okay, so these magi from a completely different land, different country, go looking for this king born in Israel. 
Doesn't that bring up a few questions? Why would these strangers from another land, from 700 plus miles away, go all the way to Jerusalem? Why would they be interested in this king born, born for the Jews? You ever heard the name Daniel? You know Daniel in Lion's Den at Daniel in the Bible? He lived in Babylon during what's called the Babylonian captivity. He, along with many of the Jews, were, were taken there. And Daniel was one of the advisors, actually became the chief advisor to the kings of Babylon. He was the head or, or the lead of the Magi's. Daniel lived about 600 years before Jesus was born. And after that captivity was over, some Jews came back to Israel, but not all of them. Daniel didn't come back. And, and so these people who, who were not ashamed to talk about their faith, Daniel wasn't ashamed of it so much. He, he went to the lion's den because of it. They certainly must have talked about this promised Savior that this king of the Jews that would be coming, that, that God promised to be born in Bethlehem. And so for those 600 years, that news was repeated and repeated at least to such an extent that these magi now knew about it. And when they saw this star, they knew he had been born. Which brings another question. What was this star? And was it what we actually call a star? Would it be another sun that, that just started showing up? Or was it a comet? Or A lot of people have studied this. They say there, there's some kind of special conjunction of a lot of the planets at that point. What was it? Bottom line is we don't know. Whatever it was, it was special. And God used it to signify that Jesus was born. There's a lot that this, uh, this birth reveals. It also reveals hearts. This child reveals what's here. Think of the Magi. The Magi had joy. In Matthew 2, it says this, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And, and I'll be honest, in English, you don't get the full feel here. In the original Greek, there are four words stacked up on top of each other talking about the joy they had. They really, really, really had lots of joy. They had joy. Well, well think about this. They've been traveling for 700 miles. Okay, that's a multi-month trip. They didn't have planes or cars. For, for a frame of reference, 700 miles from Crete would be Newark, New Jersey or, or Oklahoma City. They've been traveling all that time. And when they saw that child, they had joy. The child revealed what was in their hearts. The same was true of King Herod. Now, if, if the Magi had joy, Herod 
had jealousy. Do you know what Herod was famous for? for? He was famous for building things. He had all these construction projects. He rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. But the thing is, he, he, he built all these things for the people to, to kind of make up for his insane jealousy. He could not. He, he would not let anyone, anyone oppose him or, or even even have a possibility of replacing him. So over the years, he had his wife's brother killed, his wife killed, his wife's mom, his three sons. Now, and, and after this visit of the Magi, what he did? He had all the, the, the popular, the, the outstanding, upstanding citizens of Jerusalem arrested and gave the guards orders that when he died, they were to execute those prisoners. That way, at least, some people would be crying when he died. That's the kind of guy he was. And you see this jealousy, don't you? After what happened here with the Magi, he has all the baby boys killed in Bethlehem to try to make sure he gets Jesus dead. So, when it says here, that Herod heard about this child and he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with it? There's a reason for it. This child revealed what was in his heart. The child also revealed what was in the scribe's heart. Now, now Herod did know where to go for information. They asked where this child was to be born. He went to the source. He asked the experts, the, the scribes, those who knew the Old Testament Bible. And they looked it up, Bethlehem in Judea. The scribes, let me go back to the map. Okay, see so Jerusalem there on the bottom. Bethlehem is right by it, six miles away. Today, it's a suburb. These scribes who knew about this long-promised, long-awaited Savior, what did they do? Nothing. Those strangers from another land traveled 700 miles to see this child. They wouldn't even travel six miles. Two-hour walk. They wouldn't do it. That reveals something about what's here, doesn't it? This child reveals hearts. And so the Magi, they came to Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2 tells us, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see what those wise men, those advisors to the kings did? They worshipped this boy. That means literally they got down on their hands and knees before him. Then they gave him these treasures, these gifts. Gold, we understand that, right? It's money. Frankincense was a, a perfume, it, it smelled beautifully when, when you burned it. It was an incense. 
Frankincense often was used in the temple worship in Jerusalem. Myrrh. <laughs> Myrrh is interesting. It was used in embalming dead bodies. It was also used as an antiseptic at times. And so um, when Jesus was on the cross, it tells us that the soldiers gave him something to drink, a, a, a mixture of myrrh and water. These gifts revealed something. Which brings us then to another question. And it's this. What do your gifts reveal? These gifts of the Magi, they revealed, they showed who Jesus was. He's king, fit for gold, right? The gift showed he's God. That frankincense burned in worship of God. The gifts even showed that he would one day die. The myrrh used for embalming. And more than that, not only did, did this gift show who Jesus was, the gift showed who Jesus was to these wise men. They had traveled 700 miles because not only was this boy the king of the Jews, he was their king. He was their Lord, their Savior. So, what do your gifts reveal? What, what does it reveal? When our gifts have been the same for, for 10 years. Let me put it this way. A five-year-old draws a little stick figure drawing as, as a birthday gift to a parent. That's pretty amazing. Ten years later, that same child, now 15, draws a quick stick figure drawing and says, here, happy birthday. That said something, too. What does it reveal when we just come and, and, and sit at church instead of be the church and be active using the, the talents and gifts God has given us? What, what, what does it reveal if a, a spouse gives their spouse a Walmart gift card for Christmas? What do, what do our gifts reveal? I came across this, this fascinating quote. You can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. Think about that. You can give without Loving, and that's true. You can. But you can never love without giving. And that is so true of God, isn't it? God so loved us 
he had to give. He had to give his one and only son. And Jesus loved, and he had to give. He had to give his life on the cross for us. He gave his life for the times when we give without even thinking about it. He died for the times when we give our leftovers instead of our best. He died for the times when we just sit and never use the gifts God has given us. He died for all our sins. And God's gift then reveals something about him, doesn't it? It reveals that his love is so tremendous and unending. Nothing will separate us from his love in Christ Jesus. You cannot love without giving. And I know that you love because you have given. Just uh, uh, personally, it, it is over, always overwhelming with, with your generosity to, to pass Cook and myself. Thank you. You, you love it and and that shows it in how you give, uh, using the talents that God has given us. You, you know, teenagers. You know all the ministries our, our teenagers are involved in it because they love and they give? You, you see them ushering, you see them doing tech stuff, you see them helping with Trinity Timbers and Treehouse. So next time you, you see a teenager, take note of it. But it's not just teenagers. You, you 400 of us are actively involved in, in some ministry here at Trinity. You, you love, and so you, you give. You remember a few weeks ago how I mentioned that um, if things kept going the, the way they are, looking at a, a, a deficit in June of about $100,000, over the last four weeks, our giving, our, our gifts, have been significantly increased. Now, that's just four weeks, but you love. And you show that, you reveal that with your giving. So, so keep on loving. And keep on showing that, revealing it with, with your gifts. And, and maybe... Maybe you're wondering right now, because your, your situation in life is like, oh, well, what, what can I really do? Well, remember, our gifts don't just have to be money. We, we can give of our time. We, we can use the gifts, the talents that God has given us, and use those. Instead of just sitting in church, we can be the church in action. And, you know, Pray vigorously throughout the week for the people that we pray for here at church. However you do it, show the love that is here and reveal it in your gifts. Because God has certainly revealed what he feels about us, hasn't he? And so although today is the, the big reveal about these, these strangers' gifts, let the big reveal also be in our gifts. Amen.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you have revealed your heart. You've shown how much we mean to you. And so, Lord, may we love you and and love one another. And may that love show itself, reveal itself in in our gifts to you and, and our glorifying you with our lives. Bless us this week, Lord, and this whole new year that we may do that every day. We ask this in your name. Amen.